Hello, welcome to Pop Apologists. Hello, hi Lauren. We are your hosts, Chan. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I was like, for a second, I thought, okay, this is great. We're going to do like some sort of serious intro. Like we're getting actually serious about this podcast. We're your hosts. And then it was a joke. I do feel like we should write some sort of like intro little script that we say every time. That way it's kind of like... I don't know. At least for newcomers, they know what the hell they're getting themselves into. Right. Like, right. hey, welcome to Pop Apologists, where two complete nobodies talk about nonsense. Right. And it's a great opportunity to, you know, waste an hour of your one wild and precious life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's get into it. I love it. I think that's a great working script. <laughs> Thank you. We are recording today an hour late. And Chandler, I texted you and I was like, is this so- possible? Yeah, because we are on different timelines. It was like 7 a.m. my time. So I actually woke up at 6.30 because my body, if knows if it knows that I have to wake up early, wakes me up oh. a half an hour before I actually have to get up. So then you texted me about five minutes before we were supposed to record. I know. and But I did ask. I fully asked. And I no, would have right. I would have not you know, postponed if you said, no, I need to record now. No, I want to give that caveat. You totally did. And I'm honestly not stressed about it. You're so nice. You generously were like, it's cool. We can record in an hour. Because the reason why I tell this story is because, as you know, uh, I think I talked about on the Patreon, but Kagan and I are looking for a place to buy in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And the housing market here is – it's it's like warfare. It's not even like a marketplace. It's literally a battleground. I guess figuratively a battleground. Um, There aren't actually weapons. but um, good to hear. But literally, Chandler, the like friends here do not share real estate agents. They do not wow, tell it's people. Cutthroat. It's super cutthroat. They don't tell people about listings they know about. Like oh it's it is the competition is so extreme. Like so that's like, why you had to like literally go like under the cover of darkness. Well, because the uh, and we went to go look at two places that came online this morning. Yeah, and Kagan was like, "We have to go now. We have to go now. We cannot wait. Like, we pack have to a bag. Go. Let's go." <laughs> so funny. Well, and it's just so dark too because everything is so expensive. And then you go look at it and you're like, "Oh, this has eight foot ceilings. It actually feels like we're in a a doll's apartment, so yeah, not a how, human beings." How were the two places this morning? Okay, one is is amazing, but it needs it needs to be fully renovated. Okay, we'd love to like hear that. It almost ha- almost looks like it has structural problems. It's like once we redo it, it will be amazing. Once we rebuild the entire place, right. you're gonna love it. <laughs> um, okay. And then the other place, you know, it was oceanfront, which is obviously amazing. Uh, definitely at the top top end of our budget. Yeah, we walk in. <laughs> literally eight foot ceilings. I mean, you can place your hand in the air, go on your tippy toes. Me, I do a little bounce and I'm touching the ceiling. What in the world? Why? Is it like, are there multiple levels? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's like an apartment building Mm -hmm. on the, on the beach. And I think they tried to maximize the number of uh, units clearly. So anyway. Wow. Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. I'm sorry. But, you know, I've also been combing through um, decaying listings myself for New York. And I don't know what it is, but, like, everything that's listed on Craigslist literally looks like it's, like, the scene of a homicide. (laughs) Totally. I don't know what it is. Like, they don't try at all to just, like, can you just, like, if you spent 10 minutes decluttering, I would pay double what you're asking. 
It's like they they don't even clean their room before taking photos. I don't get it. Like it's it's really bad, or it's just like, or or it's just totally like a lie. Um, I'm like, just move the the junky mail off the counter. Like just do right. that one thing. Right. So yeah, we're both we're both in similar situations. Yeah, it's it's just wild. But at least for you, it's a rental, and it's not like you're actually buying this place. Oh yeah, no, I can't imagine. So but I mean, ha- there is something about paying two grand for a month of rent that you're just like, wow, I'm really going to pay two grand for this closet. Oh, because because you're because it's a short term rental, right? Yeah, it's like a yeah, two month I'm, type of deal. I'm coming to terms with actually how expensive it is, and it's like not going to be my summer of saving money that I uh, <laughs> that I no. positioned it to myself as. Well, that's the thing about short-term rentals is you always think, oh, it's the same as rent. No, it's like Mm -hmm. three times the price of rent Yeah, like to Airbnb something. That's why, once again, I would like to put a call out to the listeners. If anyone who lives in New York knows of anyone who lives in New York who just wants to leave for a month and give me their room, let me know. Or maybe you have a roommate or, you know. If they're – yeah, if somebody you know is going to rehab soon or something. Yes. Yes. You know, someone is like in a toxic relationship, they need to get out of the city. Like, I'm happy to to take over in those situations. Happy to prey upon people who are vulnerable. Mm-hmm, for sure. One man's misfortune is another man's treasure. Summer of love. Yeah. Okay, so what's going on with you? I'm currently at mom's house. Yes. Because, happened? great. I So I went to Palm Springs this weekend. I was uh, celebrating one of my best friend's birthdays. And I like got to see a lot of like old friends. Uh, it's actually great because the last time I saw all these friends was like on New Year's before COVID. So now everyone, you know, everyone's hashtag vaccinated and mm. celebrating together. I just have to put that out there. You know, you never know what people are going to say. That's true. Uh, are you grateful that I didn't post like a, a line of stories that were like, we got tested before we came. Everyone here is continuing to get tested. <laughs> we're totally safe. We're wearing masks. Like, no, because I, mean, I could have made fun of you privately with Kagan and, like, you I know, know v- very well, much enjoyed that for the I'm glad, value. I'm glad that we're just, like, past those days a little bit where we can just, like, assume that the people are tra- – we can hopefully assume that the people who are, like, traveling for leisure are va- vaccinated. Right. Um, exactly. And we're no longer in, like, the oh, – I have to, po- like, I have to post so many, like, stories explaining myself behavior. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. So it was really fun. But I was going to fly home, like, literally the day after – the weekend on Monday, but I got a little bit guilted into coming home for Mother's Day, changing my flight, eating the cost. Yes, you did. I was part of the guilting party, wasn't I? Yeah, uh, you were part of the guilting party. Um, there was a small tiff about it, but I'm glad I did because I got to come home and have crab legs. Oh, so instead yeah. of eating ground turkey at in San Francisco, I got to have, you know, actually delicious food. Uh, yeah, it's been very nice. And dad's like, you know what? We're in the presence of a pop apologist. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. And I've also found out um, some of our other family members, some of our uncles listen to this. No. Mm-hmm. Like Uncle, who? Uncle Carrie told mom that he listened. So <laughs> Uncle Carrie, if you're listening, hello. Greetings, Uncle Carrie. Um, wow, that's actually shocking information. I know. I know, isn't it crazy? It's a, kind of amazing. Was there Very any lucky. explanation for why they're listening? I think he listened to the episode with dad on it, which I want to say everybody loves the episode with dad. Yeah, like, not that I'm surprised, but like it is funny because it was just kind of a random thing we decided to do out of nowhere, and he like he killed it. Everyone's like, please have your dad back on to talk about <laughs> Kim and Kanye's divorce. I know we honestly need to have him on, especially to talk about the breakdown of Belinda. Yeah, right. We did get that request. I know, I know. 
So anyways, okay. So, but I have to tell you about my journey to Palm Springs really quick. Oh yeah, please. So there's no direct flights from SFO to Palm Springs. And usually I would just drive there, but I don't have a car anymore. So it's fine. I'm going to, I decided I was going to fly and my flight situation ended up getting totally screwed up. I was supposed to fly out of San Francisco at like seven, have a little quick 45 minute layover in Salt Lake, then fly to Palm Springs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be kind of a, a long night of traveling, but I was going to get there, you know, the first night of the festivities. <sighs> well, my flight out of SFO got delayed. And then it got delayed like while I was in the like waiting in the gate. Then it got delayed while no. I was on the tarmac. No. And so I, you're I, on the plane while it's delayed. I'm on the plane and they're like, well, we, some of the paperwork's not right, folks. So it's going to be, you know, a couple more minutes. And it's just like, what? Like, oh I, I, do we need to wait for someone to print something off of some printer in like, you know, the Delta Help Center or whatever? Anyway... So my flight and so like is the plane like heating up too? The plane's like heating up and like everyone you can just t- hear the collective like ugh. Yeah. So come to find out the, that particular plane and like slew of flights had been late all day because there was like air traffic or whatever that means. Also, I don't understand why there would be ever air traffic. Like none of the other conditions change. I mean, I guess I think- weather, but I guess whatever. Big whoop. Uh- Oh, like there's trap too much traffic in the air. Yeah, like I guess probably if the conditions are worse, like flying landing the planes is a little bit harder. Maybe I guess it just seems like they, something they could prevent. You know, right? It just seems totally preventable. Why don't they put us in charge of air traffic control? I know. So anyway, globally, so, global. Yeah, be really great. We can like barely get it together to like record twice a week. We're like, where does that? What's a USB C again? Right. Yeah, <laughs> definitely want us in charge of that. Um. So, anyways. Long story short, I end up realizing that I'm going to miss my connecting flight. And I've never had – no, I don't, like, travel for work all the time. Like, I'm, I'm barely an adult, okay? So this is not – this is a new situation for me to, like – and I'm, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I have nowhere to go. And I'm, like, I have some friends in Salt Lake, but I was, like, maybe I'll, like, text Chloe Bruder and then I have a friend, Jess, who knows Ben, and she was going to let me stay with her. But I'm, like, I don't I, – I guess I'm just going to have to spend the night and get on a new flight in the morning. Long story short – Long story long, basically, um, I end up getting a flight credit from Delta or a hotel voucher from Delta. I mean, okay, yeah. What is that experience? I know. Like? I know. I'm like, what? A free night? Free night stay? Uh, it's not pleasant. I'll tell you that much because I get off the plane and I like mosey on down to the counter and I- I'm followed by like 50 other pissed off guests because everyone had a connecting flight. Oh. Um, like to other parts of like California. So they're like, you know, we're like cattle. And they're like, hey, here's your flight voucher. Call this number. You'll get a shuttle. You're on the next flight out tomorrow morning. Oh, my so gosh. So I literally call the – so I'm like, it's like, you know, 10 p.m. And I call the Sheraton Four Points next to the Salt Lake City Airport. Because is that where they put everyone up? That's where they put everyone up. And I call oh. and I get the most frantic hotel operator no. ever. Hotel manager, and I go, Hi, I missed my flight. Um, or my connect Delta wants me to stay with you, whatever. Can you come get me? Uh, and and then the guy goes, Nope, our shuttle driver's been back and forth there all day. He's done for the night. You're gonna have to find your own way here. You're kidding. No, (laughs) no, I was like, Um, okay, so I'm just gonna have to like Uber. Yep. And then he promptly hangs up, like slams the phone down. And oh I'm like, my gosh. What's the point of a shuttle other than to go back and forth all day? Yeah, why is he – that's like complaining about our bus driver has been driving all day. <laughs> He's done. He's done for the – it was like – it was rude that I was even going to inconvenience him by asking for another ride. Like like it's us being like, listen, we're podcasting every single week. We're done with this. We're like, done we're with podcast- this. Don't oh you gosh, dare. This don't- is the job. Yeah. So – 
that was the start of it. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm walking. Oh, and he also goes, also, I've only got a few more rooms. They're going fast. Click. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Not kidding you. So I like scrambled to call my Uber. Also, if you know the Salt Lake City Airport, it's super uh, big now. Like they've redone it. So like getting from like the B gates to the A gates to like literally baggage claim is like a, it's like a mile walk basically. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, I finally get in my Uber and I drive, I, I get dropped off at the like hotel. It's literally like at a business park. And I walk in and the lobby is just a scene. Okay. The guy in front of me goes, so like I, I walk in and he's like, so do you have a room? And the guy's like, well, I don't technically, but if I say no, I'm going to get yelled at. Like he's, he's literally just being openly rude to every single guest. Okay. So I'm like just standing there and I'm like, oh, here we go. Also, mind you, he's one of those gentlemen who have a um, shave sides, but then a long ponytail. Like, like cool. his hair That's is growing from the root, but it is back and it's, and it's like red and it's gorgeous. It's a look truly. So, I, so then the lobby is just starting to fill up with guests and he goes, as he sees more people come in, he just out of nowhere, he goes <laughs> in between actually picking up the phone with people calling and repeating the same spiel that he gave to me. He just announces to the lobby. Nothing like when Delta shits all over you, huh? <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. He says those he says words and, per- and he's like in a uniform. He says those words in a uniform. Also, there's like Delta, like flight attendants, like literally it's it's just it, Brandon was not even playing. Like he he woke up and he chose violence. Oh my gosh. This is the most incredible story I've ever like, heard. <laughs> it was like, and then. It was like in a sitcom. Like I actually now feel like I want to write a pilot about like hotel managers, like chain hotel managers, night managers. So then the best part is one of the other employees like on his way out goes, yeah, and we're still getting reservations from hotel tonight. And Brandon's like, do you have a number I can call to shut it down? And the guy's like, no. And then he's like, well, have a good night. Brandon goes, I'll try. Oh, (laughs) nothing like when Delta shits all over you. Yeah. So I finally get a room. It was just, it was hilarious to see him pick up the phone and let, and then just literally slam it down. Like he was just, he didn't care at all. It was great. I actually want to now call Sheraton and leave him a five-star review for the entertainment value alone. I, I, I'm actually very curious. Like what, so for me, it just seems like there's either rooms available or they're, they're not available. And so like, it's just like you give the people the rooms first come first serve basis. And then if they're not, it's not like Brandon's like having to build a new hotel within an hour to house people. Yeah. I'm like, are parts of this hotel being like blocked off or something? Like, do you just keep rooms open? Like it was, it was confusing to me. Black and white, either let people sleep there or they can't. And you, you know, call Delta and say, sorry, we're full. Like what, what kind of backdoor shady shit is Brandon into where somehow he wants to like keep basically rooms Mm -hmm. open? That's my question. I think it's just more work for him, you know? Oh, so do you think it's just like more work checking people in and all that? Yeah. And I'm, I just, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if some hotel managers were like, said they were full because they just don't want to deal with it. Sometimes you just want a nice, quiet evening right. doing nothing while being paid. You right. know, and I can relate to that. I love that. I love that. I love that experience um, for myself all the time. Brandon so, likes to work soft and so do we. Yeah. Honestly, I like, I, I, I felt very endeared to him after this experience. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can wow. you believe that though? So that's amazing. I luckily got on the flight the next morning, but Brandon is like it was worth well worth the journey. Yes. <laughs> what what time did you actually arrive in Palm Springs? I actually arrived at like eleven AM the next morning. 
Okay. And then how long are you actually in Palm Springs? Um, About 24 hours. Okay. And you're supposed yeah. to be there for 36? Yeah. Yeah. That's not so bad. No, it wasn't bad was at all. that one night though. No, it, it was all good. And I still ended up like having the, the great day in the sun. And uh, I just love Palm Springs air. I just love warm air at night. You're going to love it here, sis. You're going to love can't Puerto wait. Rico. I can't wait. Oh, wow. Well, what a journey. I'm glad you, I'm glad you finally made it. Um, okay. Well, this week we have a very exciting interview, you guys, with Bugsy Drake of Below Deck Med. We are so excited to have interviewed her and it was such a fun interview. Honestly, go ahead, Jen. Oh, I was just going to say, she's incredible. She's one of our favorites, not, not to mention a total fan favorite. We are like so lucky to have had her on the pod. Yeah, I feel like one of the fun things about interviewing her was like it wasn't like interviewing a reality like a like it like when we interviewed Deandra, even though it was so amazing, we were kind of a little like more nervous. Mm-hmm. But but since Bugsy is more around our age, it was more just like chatting with a friend and getting all the details, like the juicy details that you wanted to know about. Right. And we asked a ton of questions. So anyway, it's a really fun interview. Also, everyone, she has a new book, The Art of Tablescaping. It came out last week. Pick it up. We love her. Support her. She's incredible. Love her so much. And and one more thing before we get to the interview, a very special happy birthday to Chandler. I can't believe we have a listener whose name is this. She sounds like she should be on the cover of Us Weekly, but Lily Blake. Right. I'm like, I'm sorry, is this like a starlet? Is this someone who's famous who follows us, who's actually listening to our podcast? <laughs> totally. Um, Lily Blake, wow. You really scored in the name department. Apparently, you also scored in the hotness department because Lily, fun fact, was actually jogging when her now boyfriend saw her and somehow figured out who she was. I don't know. I don't know actually how the story went. If he well, I think her. I think they were in high school together or something, or they maybe went to school. Anyway, apparently he fell in love when he first saw her jogging. Um, the only Which, thing that anyone wants to do when they see me jogging is ask if I need to go to the hospital. Uh, yeah, I can't even imagine that being my life experience. Also, can we talk about the fact that her boyfriend's name is Hugh? Hugh and Lily? Like, are you? This is straight out of like, I don't know, a, a novel or something. Seriously, you would think that these people were A-listers. So anyway, yeah. very flattered that you listen, Lily, and wishing you the happiest 23rd birthday Ugh, to be 23 again. Wow. I know. Seriously. Rip. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. Okay, Lily? It goes fast, baby. <laughs> uh, happy birthday. And with that, we're going to cut to our interview with Bugsy. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about, about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code popapologist 20 for 20% off. Earlybirdcbd.com, Pop Apologist 20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor, try the gummies. 
They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. Earlybirdcbd.com. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my mm. Clean Simple Eats protein powder. Yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty, essentially, if you like the Simply Vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water, and that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there everyone go to cleansimbleeats.com and use the promo code pop apologist for 10 percent off that's pop apologist for 10 percent off cleansimbleeats.com pop apologist for 10 percent off Okay, Chandler, are you aware of HelloFresh? I'm acutely aware of HelloFresh. HelloFresh is an amazing meal delivery service. They deliver fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes right to your door. Um, yeah, I actually, this past week, my boyfriend was here and I was very busy working and he, you know, decided to be my domestic goddess and he made me one of their 25 plus recipes and it was incredible. First of all, not only this, but it was ready in 30 minutes or less. Okay. Which was perfect for me because I was waiting on the food. I want it to be ready ASAP. Absolutely. Makes sense because HelloFresh has been named Newsweek's most trusted meal kit company of 2021 with over 4 million households served. So listeners, go to HelloFresh.com slash 12pop and use code 12pop for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's right. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 12pop and use code 12pop for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Amazing. Bugsy, Bugsy, pop apologist. <laughs> pop apologist, Bugsy, go ahead. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I hope that wasn't as corny. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> that was pre-planned. I know that'll come as a shock. <laughs> I love it. Um, today we are joined by the star of one of our truly like favorite shows on this earth. Um, that is not even an exaggeration. We are obsessed with all things Below Deck mm -hmm. and Below Deck Med. And today we are joined by Bugsy Drake of seasons two and five of Below Deck Med. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh my gosh. Well, we are so excited to have you. It's yeah. truly such a dream. Like it's one thing to like, we're always really grateful to have any sort of guests on our like little podcast, but like to have a, a guest that is like our favorite character on a show, it's, it's a dream come true. Amazing. And I'm just so, I'm so excited to hear that you guys are sisters because I'm, re <laughs> I'm really close with my sister too. And her and I like watch um real housewives of beverly hills together so that's like our bravo like go-to other than uh the below decks and we both we both work in yachting so i think it's oh so you do I'm really close with my sister too so it's so much fun to be like on a sister podcast oh my gosh we love Thank to hear you. that's so sweet <laughs> yes so so nice um well did you know that did you know that below deck is actually the top rated show on bravo i do that's so exciting and it's so much fun to be a part of it. 
What's crazy is, is, and Chandler, I don't know if this, you had the same experience, but I kind mm-hmm. of always heard about Below Deck, but I didn't start watching it until, um, until we had the opportunity to interview you. And I was like, okay, yeah, I would love to interview her. Let's watch the show. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best show I've ever seen. My fiance and I literally will watch seven episodes at a time and be like, it's 3am. We have to go to bed, but we have to see what they're going to do in the, in, when the fire starts tomorrow. Like, what are we going to do? So wait, you just started watching it recently? We watched all of Below Deck Med, um, like basically in the past, like two months. Well, and I actually watched it I watched it when I was in high school because I would nanny for these people and she would always have it recorded, just regular below deck, not below deck med. Um, And I remember, I remember Captain Lee, like I remember loving it then. And then I kind of dropped off and just was only watching Real Housewives for a bit and then got caught up on Mediterranean. And I was like, I've been sleeping on this. Like literally this is, it's the most fast paced. Like the drama is like nonstop every single episode. Oh my gosh. And that's how it is like, in real life. It's just nonstop. We in these like close quarters, like very confined. So you've got all these personalities and it's just like full on 24 seven. It's like, this it combination looks so of, like, Yeah. Like I feel like it's a combination of like camp and working and like a, in a restaurant job, like all at once while simultaneously being filmed on a reality show. Like it's, it's a clusterfuck for lack of a better word. Excuse my French. <laughs> And then, you throw, and then you throw in these like super bougie, like over the top guests. Oh. It's like a recipe for drama. <laughs> it's so good. We have so many questions. Before we get into the show, we kind of want to bring it back a little bit, learn more about you. Where'd you grow up and how did you get into yachting? So it's really, it's a really funny story. Um, Well, maybe it's not that funny, but to me it kind of is. I grew up in <laughs> Africa, so um, you know, very far away from the from the place where the whole yachting scene takes place. Um, I think more and more recently, there's been a lot more uh, big yachts that dock in Cape Town in South Africa. But um, I grew up like in a small coastal town called Belito, um, okay. which, which is in Durban. Um, and yeah, I grew up there. I studied film in Cape Town after I'd finished school. And one of my roomies that I was like sharing a, a digs with, we call it a digs. I don't know what you guys call it in America, but it's kind of like your little housing establishment um, when you're studying. She, she'd finished studying a year before me and she kind of, um, someone had kind of said to her, you know, you should get into this yachting world. So she did it just to make some, some money to travel before getting into the big wide working world. And, um, when she was doing it, like she had Kate Hudson on her boat and she'd like, always oh, wow. Oh my gosh. She'd be like cleaning Kate Hudson's um, bathroom and like cleaning her room because she was in housekeeping. And she was like, you have no idea this world I'm in. I've got these incredible guests on board, like all the rich and famous. And she's like, you have to do it. And I was, I, I kind of said, there's no way I think I can really see myself, you know, like going from majoring in film to wanting to be like on the whole like film scene to mm-hmm. then figuring out maybe I'm going to go and like clean people's bedrooms and bathrooms and kind of, you know, be full on service for all these people. I was like, oh, I don't know if, I, if I'm really going to be like up to the task. And she said, well, just do it for a season and, and try a hand at it and whatnot and, and see what you think. And then, you know, you can just make some money to travel. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm making the executive decision to fly to France um, to kind of go and walk the docks because this is this is how you did it when I started, which was about nine years ago. Um, a lot of people still do it today. 
um, otherwise there's agencies you can kind of send your, your resume into, but okay. Um, I basically flew to France with one of my best friends and we had no idea what we were doing. We we're like, okay, let's, we did all our courses that you have to do. Um, and it was really funny because before I arrived in France, my, my passport was, was stolen out of my bag. Um, so I was in Dubai and we flew into France and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have a passport. Like, how am I going to get into this country? And as we arrived, I was like taken into, into the customs and immigration and all the police there were like, I'm so sorry, you don't have a passport to get, get into the country. We're going to have to send you back on this 12-hour flight back Ooh, to Africa. Oh, my gosh. And so I was like, okay, this is where I'm going to use my acting skills for, from what I'd learned like at <laughs> university. And I just like started crying and I was like to the police. I was like, oh, my gosh, please. Like I'm on holiday here because you, you couldn't at that point legally like look for a job, right, in France. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I was an citizen so I was just crying like I'm here and I'm here on holiday I just want to like eat a croissant and like drink some champagne <laughs> embrace the French culture and they were like, they were like oh this is I was like this is the first time I've ever been away from home and I was just crying and so my dad had like, sent a copy of my passport like via email and these these two um French customs guys were like okay, this poor girl is literally here on holiday, like let her in. So they're like, let me in. It was crazy without a passport. And I was That's like, That's insane. Oh, my gosh. I have to hustle now. This is, this is it. Right. So I like arrived at a crew house, which was absolutely dire. Like I did not enjoy it at all. It was all like communal oh. living with like bunk beds with all these like wannabe yachties that were trying to look for jobs and everyone had to share this one big bathroom and I think I cried my eyes out for like two days oh no I was like here I am like trying you know like in this beautiful country and I'm like crying and all I wanted to do was go home and then I was my parents were just like you need a man up so I like put my big girl panties on and was like okay I'm going out. I need to find a job. And I landed a job within like two weeks, which was like after running up and down the docks in Monaco, like handing out my resume, like, please, can I just come clean a bathroom, show you what I've got? <laughs> eventually this, this yacht, it was like an 80 meter yacht with 21 crew. They, they employed me and I kind of hadn't even told them I didn't have a passport. I was like, which obviously you need to travel. So right. Such a, like I was like hustling hard and um, they employed me. And then eventually I was like, look, I have to be honest with you. I, I've lost my passport. It's been taken. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, I'm never going to get this job because there's like 30 yachties, like, you know, just like me looking for a job who are right here with passports. And the captains were so wonderful. They were like, don't worry. As long as you can get a passport within two weeks and get back to us in Barcelona and Spain, you've got the job. So I was like on the next flight back, I had like three train rides to get, flew back to South Africa. Oh my gosh. Got a new passport, got a new visa, flew back to Spain, literally we're all within like 48 to 72 hours. And I landed my first job on this, on this 80 meter yacht as like a junior, junior stewardess. So I got very lucky, but it was, it was a wild ride. That is, that is insane. Oh my gosh. I cannot even imagine the stress of that experience. Also like landing an 80 meter, like, is that like a big, that's a, that's obviously like, like how big the Wellington is, right? Oh, it's, it's bigger than the Wellington. It's bigger. Really? So it's like the Wellington, I'm trying to think in feet. It must be like the Wellington like just under 200 feet and an 80 meters, like 200 and 
I'm going to sound really silly if I say this and it's not right, but it's bigger. <laughs> like the Wellington, we had nine crew on. Um, and this 80 meter, we had 21 crew. Oh my God. 21 crew. And is it a charter? Like they're like, it's people coming for like four days at a time or how does that work? Yeah. So it was full on charter. Um, we had people coming on for like seven days to 14 days. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. I- a two week charter at times. To, uh, oh my gosh, I've had like um, I've had like a sixteen day to a month charter before. Oh no! Yeah. See, that's one of the things that I think is really interesting because you know with below deck and below deck med, the guests are getting kind of an insane deal, right? And and they're kind of probably and I'm curious about this. They're kind of probably not exactly the clientele that's legit yachting without consenting to being filmed and all of that. Is that true? Like, is it like a different echelon of people that are like the below deck guest charter guest stars or, and then like the real, like the regular charter guests? I mean, it's so funny because you get very similar guests to what you get on below deck. You do get those. Really? Like that's no joke. Like they, you know, I think on, on below deck, the, the people who are willing to be filmed, um, they're obviously a little bit more out there because mm-hmm. a lot of people like charter yachts, you know, we, we sign non-disclosures mm-hmm. for, um, you know, what you can and can't say. And obviously you're not allowed to say anything because a lot of these people charter these boats and it's absolute privacy. Um, and they like to have the privacy. So, um, you know, it's like, I always imagine myself going on a yacht and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I would never want like all these crew. We see everything. So we like unpack their bags. We like unpack their underwear. You know, we see absolutely everything. Um, their bathrooms, the way they keep things. So, you know, on these yachts, that's a big part of, of being a crew member is being very, um, private for the guests that you, you kind of catering to. Can you say what the craziest, some of like the craziest things you've seen, obviously not saying who like the, you know, not telling us it was like, you know, James Baldwin of, you know, of Washington or whatever. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, in terms of like crazy. So I've been very lucky on all the yachts that I've worked on. I've worked for like, cause a lot of the boats you'll work for somebody who owns the yacht and then they'll charter the yacht out. Right. So Sometimes you'll have um, the owner on and then a lot of the times it will just be like random guests like for a week or two um, at a time. But I've been lucky for the people like with the people that I've worked for. They've always been like so respectful, so lovely, like really treat the crew like family. Um, Really? Yeah, like incredible. Like I've been super lucky. A lot of people that I've like I'm friends with who are in the industry haven't been so lucky and they've had like crazy owners that just like, work them nonstop, like, um, you know, not like, don't really want to see the crew at all. Like mm. you actually have to be so stealthy, but like, uh, like, you know, you have to not be seen. And that's kind of how I was trained when I, when I joined the industry it was like the people who charter these boats or own the boats don't want to see you. So you have to be like, and that's, that's the funny thing. When I started as a junior, junior stew, it was like, every time somebody went to the bathroom, we had to like sneak into the bathroom, clean it up, like refold the toilet paper, like nobody had ever been in there. So that was kind of like, that's how it is, like 24-7. You have to, like, it just has to seem like no one's even touched the sink. Like the, there can't be any water anywhere, no no mirror marks. It's crazy. But um, in terms of like crazy, crazy charter guess, um, I've had a lot. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people who, um, you know, like party hard. Um, I'm trying to think of like an like an exact story um, where 
I think like most recently I've had somebody like actually like walk up and like yell in my face and I was like up against a wall. (gasps) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And they were like, they just really didn't like the food and like just everything was just like wrong. Um, and I've had that. So I've, I've had very confrontational guests where, um, you know, they've just been very like in your face and like don't really respect the crew as much. But then um, I've also had some really, really fun, crazy guests that just stay up. And like a lot of people I've charted with just love like all these wild theme theme nights and they go crazy all out on all their outfits and so what you see on the show like happens in real life with charters interesting interesting and so like okay so like when you when when someone's like yelling in your face like how do you even like handle that situation or i mean because one of the things i think is interesting on below deck med is it just seems like you guys are crazy short staffed like it just seems like there actually needs to be a sous chef. There probably should be another stewardess. Like it just doesn't seem like the staff fits the expectations. And so I'm curious, like, does that seem accurate to you? If there's like 21 crew on a boat, that's like somewhat similar to the Wellington. Why is there like 10 crew on the Wellington? So like, I think it, I think it causes a lot more drama to be honest, you know, to be short staff. But again, it's like realistic. There's so many times you'll be like, have a, say like have a crew of 15 and all of a sudden, like someone resigns at the drop of a hat before a charter. And like, then like two people decide to resign on the same day. And all of a sudden you like super short staff. Like I've, I've done a charter before where I've had like a team of like four girls in the interior and like just before charter, I've had to run the charter with two girls. So like it definitely it like ups the ante and like creates so much stress and creates so much pressure. And that's like where all the fights start breaking out, where people like get irritated with one another. This person's working harder than that person. Mm-hmm. And that's where like all the drama unfolds. So I have to say, like a lot of the time this can be like really, really realistic to what goes on on the show. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, but do you think the show is a little bit short-staffed on purpose? That's a hard one to say, but I will say that on the Wellington, that size of the Wellington, you usually would have a sous chef. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it just doesn't make sense that people can ask for whatever they want. And there's one person cooking for everyone and right. they expect it to be like out and hot in 10 minutes. Like what? All day long. Right. And again, it's like, it completely depends on the clientele you have. Like sometimes you have very respectful guests that come on and they're like, okay, breakfast is in the morning. Okay. Breakfast is done. We're going to go out in the water now and like play in the water, like with the water sports, the jet skis. And then we all have like in the interior have time to like regroup and like plan for like lunch and then plan for dinner. But then you get these like crazy guests that just eat all day and they just want really much out of their charter. Mm -hmm. Um, possibly can you know what I mean they've like they've paid for the trip so they kind of can request whatever they want um so you do get the people that just want absolutely like food flowing all day long drinks flowing all day long and that's what kind of makes it difficult for for like the interior and the chef to kind of you know stay on top of it all well, that was, that was one of the, one of the other questions I had was like, how on earth are you supposed to be doing all this stuff? And it's like, Hey, we also would like a 17th century Renaissance night, you know, in the next two hours. Like how and is that, how does that work? Cake. Why? Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure if you watch like on, um, on season five with Tom, where, 
um, we were having, we were having like, we had these guests on, I can't remember which charter it was. And all of a sudden we were supposed to plan like the birthday party for the, for the one night. And on the first night they were like, Oh no, let's change um, and have the birthday cake tonight. And it was like three hours before dinner. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I had to go and tell Tom like, Hey, you need to make a cake for tonight. And he's like, okay. And on top of doing this. And I think that's what makes like my job as a chief stewardess so hard is like, you have to be the, you know, the go between the guests and the chef. Oh, the um, messenger. The messenger. Oh my gosh. And the amount of times, like, you know, I'm on the chef side, obviously we're a team, but the amount of times I have to deliver this news and like, make sure it like we executed it is so difficult because the chef, like usually 100% of the time takes it out on me. Right. Yeah. You're the punching bag. Well, this is my question is like, I think a lot of the drama that we see, like honestly revolves around the chef. Like, do you think it's, it's, uh, it's, you, it's just hard to find good chefs in like the yachting industry who are just like multifaceted and can just like handle all the needs? Like, or do you think it's just like the guests are too picky all the time and you know, it's just like a bad situation? I mean, I think guests being picky, like, comes with the territory. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, they, and, you know, especially on the show, I think, obviously, because a lot of the guests are, are being seen, I feel like a lot of the time they want to make it that much more difficult for the crew mm-hmm. because they, like, want to see you not succeed. And I'm not saying, like, all of the guests, but, like, a lot of them, you can just tell that they're just trying to be extra difficult. I remember, like, even, um, you know, a lot, you know, how we have the preference sheet meetings. Yeah, um, right. And, someone will come on and they'll be like, yeah, I'm, I'm gluten intolerant and I'm dairy free and I'm vegan and all of this. And then like, uh, 10 cocktails later, they're like, give me a toasted cheese. And you're like, please. <laughs> and I don't care what bread it's on. And you're like, well, aren't you gluten free? And they're like, I don't care. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, so you can tell. And the next day they go back to like, I'm not eating that Caesar salad because there's croutons in it. <laughs> Like what? You know what I mean? So it's it's such a it's such a like juggling game, and you just I always call it the stew face, where you just have to put that stew face on, and this is what I always like. It's it always seems like you're always acting a lot of the time because you just have to like go with them, and like mm. I think that makes like a stewardess so like successful in the industry is being able to adapt. And, you know, you'll, you'll be, I think it's like very famous of like Hannah on the show, um, where you'll see her like smiling and then she turns around and she's like rolling her eyes. Yeah. Like totally. We all do that. So (laughs) honestly though, you Bugsy, like I was watching it with my boyfriend this past week and he was like, the guests always call out Bugsy by name. There was like, the staff was great. Bugsy was amazing. Like your stew face and like. Your ability to just be like likable, like you would just vibe so well with the guests. Whereas I feel like, you know, even Hannah, like I feel like the guests could feel her energy. Hannah like, could her energy you can tell as she's it was off. Right, exactly. Right. I mean, like I think even on season five, you can just see like Hannah's not like her head's not there anymore. She's like not into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think for me, I like I thrive. Like even when you say like you know vibe off the guests I really do I think it's like so funny it's almost like a game to me sometimes when the guests come on it's kind of like you know um how can I how can I respond to these guys today and just keep it so like light and up there because essentially you know we we as a crew are wanting like a good tip so Mm -hmm. like you know the more the more you give them and the more like you vibe off their energy whether it's like good energy or bad energy 
the more you like kill them with kindness a lot of the time the more they, they they eventually come around and it's kind of fun I always see it as like a challenge like how am I going to make totally. them like super like like all the crew by the end of this because a lot of people go out of their way to be like super bitchy um you know or or just like be mean and try and like really knock you down and yeah I, I really I see it as like a challenge like I'm really going to make these people like us by the end of this trip <laughs> That, I mean, I feel like that's that's like such a good way to look at it because otherwise you could take it so personally and let your ego get involved and then it's like you could completely spiral. Right. So, But I mean, it, uh, it really makes for good TV, right? When you see the stewardess like, oh my gosh, these people. Um, because that's the truth and that's where I kind of waited for my interviews to kind of let rip. <laughs> like the, okay, that's it. <laughs> That's another question I had. How does the interviews work with this show? Because it's obviously like, you're obviously not, you know, like someone doesn't ask you for an espresso martini and then you like go down and do like a 10 minute interview about how annoying this is. Like that's not going to work. So is it after the fact? And if it's after the fact, how do you drum up the emotion of like that experience? Because it does seem in the moment. Right. So I mean, like, again, like I said, I think Below Deck is so good at capturing the real life of, of what yachting is. And I have to give it to, to the show because they really, really capture it like in all its essence, um, where, you know, a lot of yachties that like on, on the show. And I say like yachties, cause that's like what we call ourselves. Um, a lot of them give the show grief cause they're like, Oh my gosh, it's not even like that. And I'm like, yes, it is. It's like sometimes tenfold in real life compared to the show. But like I said, like we, um, I think the reason they are able to capture it so well is that they don't like get involved with anything that we're doing. We work, we, you know, we play hard, we go out like you would do on any yacht. And I think the fact that they don't interfere is what gives it so much truth. Um, so like at the end of every charter, they'll, they'll have questions for us and then gotcha. we'll kind of like go into it. And then like coming back to how we like drum up the emotion, I think it's just so ingrained in us because you're taking everything in as it's happening because it's happening so realistically in real life. And it's just so easy to like, remember, oh my gosh, this is how that guy re- like made me feel when he yeah. ordered three different espresso martinis. <laughs> I mean, it must be like almost going to therapy after and getting to like, like expunge all of your emotions. 100%. It's like completely like that. And then I think when I did season two, I was like so much more afraid because I knew like, oh my gosh, these guests are going to like see this. And like, what are they going right. to What are they gonna say about me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, say to me, are they going to come after me for being like this? But um, you know, I think, again, like going back to the fact that it is so um, well depicted, um, re- like in, in terms of reality, I don't know how a lot of other reality shows work, but this is this is true to the core of like, you know, really being able to like sponge and like let loose on how these people have um, have kind of been behaving. Right. Have, so my, have I, you? Oh, go ahead, Jen. I, so like, I have a logistical question. Like how many camera crew people are there and where do they sleep? Like I... I had this moment where I was like, oh, wait a second. Someone's like literally filming in this tiny tight hallway. Like there must be a huge camera. Like how do they even function on the ship? Okay. So I, I can't give away too many details. Okay. Of the scenes, <laughs> but I will, totally. tell, I will tell you that like the cameraman does not sleep in my, in my bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's right, good to know. Right. <laughs> have a place, have a place to sleep. And uh, yeah, there's, there's somebody with you all the time. So right. Uh, 
like again, like I'll say, I, I just I have so much respect for the camera crew because you know, can you imagine being a, a camera person with like a camera walking mm-hmm. around on this, like moving boat? Half the time we're like going through like rough seas, and you've got like me, I'm super fast. Like when I when I work, so yeah. I felt so bad because I'm like I'm still gonna do my job just as I do it on any boat and they, and like half the time I'm like shoving past the camera person and they're like they're like oh my gosh here comes bug she's like a tornado ripping through <laughs> and they have to like get there you know to like to be to be in line to capture everything that's going on so hats off to them they've got a great like you know they're really good at their jobs yeah you don't yeah. have to answer this if you can't but and this is a random question but does the chef feed them too um, no, the chef doesn't feed the camera crew. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay. No, they, they, uh, the chef like, like is, you know, a yacht chef. So they kind of cater to the guests and, and the crew, like the actual crew. Like, right. Cause the chef has to make food for the crew too. Right. Yeah. That's what makes that, that's what makes their, their job so hard. And like I was saying, like on, on the Wellington, like I've worked on a boat again, as I was saying, like you would typically have a sous chef on that size, but mm-hmm. then the other boats are just like no it's not in our budget too so that chef like will have to take on the meals for all the crew and whatnot but if you do happen to have a a sous chef they'll do like the crew food gotcha gotcha okay that makes sense here's my other question about that like does your tip like is there any incentive to just you know keep the crew a little bit smaller so that your tips are bigger or do you feel like the tips do really do scale I mean, I think if you've got, so like the tips are like predominantly in the industry and like even on the show or like shared equally. Um, but what are like with regards to keeping the crew, the crew smaller, I think if you've got like a really, I, I know a lot of boats that have like very tight knit crew that just kind of do a little bit of everyone's jobs and mm-hmm. then they come off with a better tip because it's shared equally. Right. Um, mm-hmm. For the most part, like in terms of like marine law and all that, you have to have a certain like manning requirement on the yacht. Um, so you have to have a certain amount of crew. Right. Gotcha. Right. Wait, I have a question kind of going back to the guests. Um, have you ever heard of or have you ever experienced like a guest seeing the show, seeing when one of the cast members basically called them like trashy um, or like made fun of them and like getting mad and like DMing that person or anything like that? I have first-hand experience of receiving <gasps> that. No. <laughs> no. Wait, can you tell us about it? Lauren, I am starting to get back into a routine of binging shows. And some of these shows are a little dark, a little intense. And I got to take the edge off, frankly. So you might Don't find – she does. Yeah. You might find me getting into a bottle of Pinot Noir from Spade and Sparrows. You know, honestly, whatever helps, baby. Binging two things at once. I love it. Right. I am a beverage enthusiast, and this definitely includes wine, definitely includes spade and sparrows. I love spade and sparrows because not only does it taste delicious, but it looks so cute on my counter. Like the labels are darling. Right. I actually feel like when I leave it out, it's kind of like a flex. You know, it's like, oh, this is like, those are my products. My products look nice. I'm better than you. I like, I'm an elite. My coastal elite <laughs> with my Spain and Sparrows. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's a design flex. And it's also a delicious, delicious wine made by women for women. Love it so much. Truly, you guys, it's delicious. You need to get some. It's one of my faves. You'll feel good with it on your countertop. You'll feel good with it in your belly. True. 
Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? <laughs> you know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about Framebridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned cube frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app. Spade and Sparrows is available online in the U.S. and Canada. It's also now available in select liquor stores across Canada, including recently launched at the LCBO in Ontario, as well as select Walmarts in California. Shop online or in-store. Go to www.spadeandsparrows.com to find your closest bottle. It's the best. It was, I think it was on season two. It wasn't the, it wasn't the most recent season, but there was like someone I made like a comment. I cannot even remember the comment, but he came back and was like, oh my gosh, how could you say this about me? This is not correct. Like, this is not who I am. And I'm like, okay, dude, like you were the one who chose to portray yourself that way, whether it's you or not. I was just commenting on what was realistically happening. Right. And how you made me feel. (laughs) Okay, well, I kind of like speaking to that, um, speaking to like a guest or a cast member being able to witness their own behavior and then maybe learn from that and own up to it. One of the most fascinating things for me was, you know, Hannah acted really egregiously, in my opinion, on season two. And she she really slacked off from what I could see. Obviously, I'm not there. But if, if the show was real um, or a true account, then yeah you know, there were some huge issues with her management and her, you know, her slacking off and all of that. And I kind of thought, okay, the three years or a lot of time is going to go by between season two and season five. She's going to see that behavior. She's probably going to apologize to Bugsy, you know, and, and have like, you know, I like learned from it. So I thought it was so interesting when she had not at all learned from her behavior, not at all taken any ownership, still held a grudge against you for calling her out. I mean, was that was that all totally real or was that like, I don't know. I'm just so fascinated by this Hannah situation. Yeah, 100%. I think like I, I've said it before, but I, in a way I kind of regret it. So I worked as a chief stew before I, I worked as her second stew on season right. two. 
So, and like, I know a lot of people here and, oh, when I was Chief Stew, when I was Chief Stew, <laughs> like that was a lot in all my interviews. Um, but I think that was like a, a hard thing for her, like me coming in and I'm quite like a strong character and know, and know how to do my job. Um, that was all realistic, the way it played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, um, you know, I... I'm a very, I don't like confrontation, um, like if it's not necessary, but it just went too far with Hannah. And I felt like she was taking the piss a lot on season two. And, you know, she just kind of slacked off a lot. And then there was the whole thing with the charter guest and the iPad and all of that. And I was just like, this is so unprofessional and this does not happen. And I was like, if I'm going to leave the season, like without saying something to her, like for my own character, I'm going to be like, you know, I'm not going to feel good about it because, you know, I really do, like you're saying, I think people need to learn from their mistakes. And I've kind of always had that mentality. Like if somebody feels like I'm not like pulling my weight or doing something, I'd prefer them come and tell me to my face. So I'm, so I actually like realize where I can kind of, um, you know, like step up to the plates and correct whatever I'm doing wrong. But that whole thing between Hannah and I, like full on real, continued you know when I came back on season five you saw her face when Sandy announced I was coming back she was just like oh my god like that that for me you know like um was one of the funniest parts in the the whole below deck like history that I've ever seen was Hannah's face when she heard I was coming back well, she was kind of like the anti-Adam. Like Adam came back, knew that he had really screwed up with the Onion situation, with Onion Gate, um, and and really <laughs> wanted to prove himself like that he could do it, that he was going to – like mm-hmm. he did the opposite. He took ownership and really excelled, but Hannah just seemed to like – Ne- like do do the complete opposite of Adam, just like spiral continually, never get any better, just get continually worse. Um, and this brings me to but two questions. I feel- oh, sorry, Chen, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like, I th- yeah, get continually worse, but also her ego continued to just like get inflated as well as her experience grew. And so right. it's just like this terrible situation. Oh, yeah, for sure. Question for you. Do you, do you remember, like, can you just tell us how you were feeling during the onion situation? Because that's probably one some of the best television I've ever seen in my life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so like wh- during which part, like when, when it actually happened, when Adam was like doing that or. Yeah. Like, okay. So for our listeners who haven't, um, who haven't watched the show. So the chef purposefully puts onions into the food of guests who have specifically called out that they do not want onions. And the chef does it once and the chef, and the people get mad. And then he does it again the next day on purpose. And it's like, I mean, it, to me, it's the biggest kind of F you, so disrespectful, would be so infuriating if this guy was like, if I was having to work with this guy. So I'm curious how you felt in the moment. So it's like funny because I remember like thinking, this has got to be a joke, right? Like he didn't actually do that. I was like, I'm pretty sure he's just like joking. Um, like I, I really never really, th- you know, I never thought that a chef could go out of their way to be so spiteful. So like kind of when he's like, yeah, put onions in there. I was like, oh no, he's definitely joking. And then watching it back, I was horrified. I was kind of like, what in the world is like going on here? Like what, what kind of person does that? But then when he, when he was doing it, I remember like, because it wasn't my place, like I wasn't the chief stew and I kept trying to like home myself back because I'm like, okay, remember Hannah's the chief stew. She's got to deal with this. 
I remember kind of like saying to her, yeah, like I think he just did that and kind of left it to her to kind of organ like sort out between him and her. But I was definitely horrified and and I did think in the beginning it had to be a joke. I was like, there's no way this guy's like literally gone out and and been so spiteful. I mean, okay, so this actually brings me to another question. Um, and I think maybe it was actually more stressful to watch, like you said, to watch it back because you can actually see him doing it on purpose and like mincing the onions before they go into the soup. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like, obviously, you, when you're in the moment, you're like running around doing other stuff. Um, so, but this brings me to another question, which is like, obviously Adam comes back after that. And then Hannah also gets continually rehired. And do you feel like Captain Sandy actually hired them back or like hired Hannah back? Or do you, especially after Hannah's, you know, like lack of performance, or do you feel like it was a casting decision and that's why Hannah came back so many times? To be honest, I don't really know the ins and outs of that. But like, what I will say is like, you know, I, I know Sandy in the way that I think, you know, on personal accounts where we've talked about certain situations, she's always one to give a second chance. Okay. And like, I kind of felt like she kept like having so much, like, um, just kept having faith in Hannah to maybe like step up her game. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like she just kept giving her the chance to be like, come on, Hannah, like, just show them what you've got. Come on. Mm-hmm. And because I know that's in Sandy's character. She always wants to like, pull out the best in people. And I think by season five, she was just like, look, I I can't anymore. (laughs) Like, I just can't. I mean, like watching Captain Sandy's journey from season two to season five is like watching like a, like an 18 year old on the dating scene versus like a 40 year old on the dating scene. Like, like just the amount of like, she becomes so jaded. She becomes like so incredibly callous and like, uh, in such a more, it's so filled with like intensity and so much more of a boss in certain ways. And that was really interesting to witness. I mean, but I'm obsessed with it though. Like I'm obsessed with Captain Sandy though. Like throughout, I mean, she does become a little bit more, she just becomes more stern. I feel like she just doesn't take as much like SHIT from everybody. Um, But she's like, I mean, I I just want to know, like you obviously have a personal relationship with her. Like what is she like? She's so phenomenal. We're obsessed with her. Like we would literally go to her church if she started a religion. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love that. Um, I think Sandy is like such a boss, you know, like I, I know a lot of the time, um, you know, pe- like people see her in different lights on the show because you can't show everything all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, you know, she is such a badass. And like you say, um, going from season two to season five, her, her character development is so crazy. You know, I think she, when you when you're a captain, you kind of employ people to kind of know what they're doing. So I think in the beginning, she's like, okay, I'm gonna have my crew. I'm just gonna like let them all be. And I think as the seasons rolled in, and again, like truthful to yachting, you get a lot of people that maybe don't, maybe a lot of the time don't have the experience that they say they do. And like she's got to put up with it and and train them and show them. But for the most part, I can just say she is a very like kind and supportive person. If you're willing to give her your time and if you're willing to like, kind of, um, you know, uh, accept what she's got to say to you. Yeah. I mean, to watch, she just seems like such a strong 
person with so much integrity and such a good, kind person that like sees the best in people, wants them to succeed. She's just so like sincere. And I don't know, just honestly, like seems like such a good human being. But it was kind of, it was funny and kind of sad to see like the way that she, she maybe like had less faith in yacht crews during season five, at least than during season two, for sure. Right. And I think also like, you know, I, I think she, she means well. And a lot of the time, like people, people don't really get her sense of humor. She's got like a really wacky sense of humor. So oh, really, yeah, she's like, she's so funny. She's like, um, as much as she's like a very, like, she's a phenomenal captain. And a lot of the time and she like does her job well, but she's also got like a very like childlike side to her where she just like likes to have fun and loves a good laugh. And I think sometimes people see like, not a lot of people can understand that side of her. So I think that's where, you know, sometimes it doesn't come across as well as it should on camera. Um, and I, I think, you know, she got a lot of slack for when she let Hannah go on season five. Um, so I felt like I felt bad for her because she means well and she's just doing her job. But isn't then she, she just like abiding by maritime yeah. law? Also, yeah. that seemed to me like such, such a clear cut situation where she had given also like leading up to she'd given Hannah so many chances to right. like prove herself. And then she just and then, you know, there was this like serious issue that Hannah clearly didn't care about or, you know, she couldn't prove that she had a prescription for the Valium or anything. Um, it just seems super clear cut to me. It's sad that she got a lot of hate for that. For sure. I mean, like, that's what I think a lot of viewers don't understand. Like, it's, we are filming realistically what goes on. And in, like, maritime law with yachts, there are these certain procedures and certain laws you have to follow. But I think, like, maybe maybe where it, like, didn't come off so well when she had the sit down and how it all unfolded was, you know, on top of the fact that she had to do a job and, like, you can't have somebody on a yacht like dealing with these high-end guests and dealing with the crew. It's like our safety too. You can't have somebody like, you know, not a hundred percent like with it, you know, mm-hmm. even prescribe medication. And I, I'm a huge, oh, interesting. I'm a huge advocate for mental health. And I know a lot of people that obviously take meds, mm-hmm. um, like the yachting industry doesn't discriminate, you know, if you have mental health issues or anything, but it's like she said, like as, as long as you go and report it to the captain so that they are aware and they can mm. monitor, monitor the person's safety as well as the crew and the guests. Yeah. But like her, her delivery of, um, you know, letting Hannah go um, didn't come off as well to viewers, but just because of the fact that she had, been dealing with Hannah for so long and there was yeah. a lot of like, emotion involved in just like mm-hmm. how, many, how much time she given Hannah and like how it in a way had just kind of been thrown back in her face. Well, and this wasn't like the third stew or anything. Like this was her chief stew. Right. Which is someone that you want to have like, you know, a hundred percent like um, faith in. Right. And trust. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of follow the rules of, of Yada. <laughs> <laughs> that was another thing that I like another kind of relationship that I thought that I thought was interesting almost because like Captain Sandy she really like the buck stops with her and if the dinner isn't good she acts like she's gonna get in trouble that's like the level of panic I feel like <laughs> Captain Sandy has when something doesn't go well with the interior and so I thought I have a question for you like mm-hmm. is the captain the one who honestly gets in trouble if a bunch of charter guests have bad experiences is that why she gets all freaked out Oh, for sure. I mean, like the crew reflects like on the captain, right? So like the captain's the head, the head of the, of the ship, obviously. So they kind of, 
everything the buck stops with them like you like you say with sandy it's kind of like it, all the complaints are going to go to the captain about the crew because they're the ones who who are solely responsible for the way that their crew like um behave and how they treat the guests and how the food is so yeah it's a huge responsibility on her shoulders that's why it's like so important for captains to have like crew who know what they're doing and take pride in what they do I just feel like nothing makes me sweat more than when the guests are cutting into their steak and Captain Sandy is just like, you know, feet away, just like waiting with bated breath for them to say that it's good or not. And then she'll walk back into the interior, like they love the food or she'll be like, the steak's, the steak's undercooked. Like you need to cook it again. Like that is the most stressful moment of every charter for me. 100%. And I think it brings, I think it brings so much drama. Like I will say though that Sandy is one of the first captains I've ever seen that like lingers around the guests when they come in. <laughs> but I think, it, I think it brings so much like, yeah, like so much stress to the whole and drama to the whole thing. Because I, when I watch it back too, I'm like also like watching Sandy's face as they're cutting yes. in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So funny. The question I was going to ask is, like, let's say there are a bunch of complaints. It's not like the owner of the yacht is going to get mad at the chief stew and be like, well, the, the boat was driven safely. So the captain, I'm not mad at the captain. I'm mad at the chief stew. Is it a situation where essentially like the the only person they're in contact with is 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 the captain? So the captain takes all the flack at the end of the day, too. I mean, for sure. But I think a lot of the time, like I've been in situations where like there's been a complaint about the chef and it's all been about the chef's food or it's been like the the service from the interior and the, you know, the stewardesses haven't been like up to scratch. Then a lot of the time they'll be like, look, captain, it's not you. It's, you know, the food, which is predominantly the chef or it's the service, which are the girls or, you know, um, none of the water toys, like the jet ski's broken. And then it like falls on the, on the chief officer on, on the deck side of things. So there definitely are, there definitely is accountability um, mm-hmm. for various heads of department. Um, but like, you know, if it's like an all rounded trip where just like everything's going wrong, it, it will like for eventually you fall on the captain. Gotcha. Gotcha. Another question I have is you guys get, you guys work nonstop, like for days on end on these charters. And then you guys dock, they're done. You clean up the boat and then you go to the club and start partying. And my question is, are you guys all on cocaine? Like, how is that possible? Chandler and I would need to be like in a vegetative state for at least 24 hours to recoup, to recuperate and recover. Like, how do you guys do that? an IV drip. (laughs) <laughs> I think I think that should be mandatory to have an IV drip on all boats. <laughs> 100%. Like I could definitely do with that. I think, you know, um, for the crew, it's like we all get our nap in straight after we clean, clean the boat. We get a quick nap in and then we're like, it's our only shot at freedom. Like we have to go out and like gotcha. drink a bottle of wine each or whatever to kind of um, – yeah, but I will say the hangover the next day um, is not ideal, especially when you have to flip the boat. And I think that was one of the things I I learned. I have like so much strength in like working um, with a hangover from doing Below Deck, especially season five, because I have never been so blackout. <laughs> like in terms of like when we were we went to the one club. I think you saw when I when I was in the hot tub with Alex. I was like so. <laughs> And I was like, the next day I said to the producers, I was like, I have never been that black out in my life. And to have that even captured on camera, like, that is like the, the biggest sense of scaries I've ever had. 
You were great. Honestly, it was just like adorable. Like you guys being in the jacuzzi that was ice cold. And Malia was like, you know, it's cold, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you see my outfit? I was like, what in the earth, like what on earth possessed me to wear that? I was literally wearing like a full one piece with like high waisted striped shorts. I was like, I call the fashion police after I saw that. <laughs> Everyone's like, you might have worn a like cute bikini. You're like on TV. I'm like, I don't know what, but I like opted for like the biggest like grandma look out there. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm like, Alex, right? So it's like you're trying to impress a cute guy and you're like going full out in the grandma like swimsuit section. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, another question I have, and this might be something, and we can edit out whatever. So if you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or I don't want to talk about this, we can just edit it out. So no pressure. But I'm super curious, what's the money situation like? Like if, if you're a stewardess, if you're like, how, like, if, like what's the normal amount of seasons to do a year? Like a, a season is six weeks, right? So a season, like if, like obviously again, because below deck, you know, you have to, you have to shoot it like in such a short time. Um, because otherwise it would just go on forever and ever and ever. But an actual yachting season would be um, for the Caribbean would start like, let's say October, like October-ish and go all the way through to like February. Mm -hmm. And then like the Mediterranean season predominantly starts like May, June and goes all the way through like the summer into um, like maybe September. Oh, wow. Looking at a good solid couple of months and like depending, depending on what, what yacht you're on, you're on, like if you have like back-to-back charters, the money is like so good because you're just like nonstop getting tipped. Right. Um, You know, a lot of people opt to just work for private yachts where they only work for, for the owner. And a lot of the times they just make their standard salary and don't necessarily get tipped. Some owners are very um, generous and do tip their crew. Um, but I would say like, if you're on a, a good, like charter yacht and you do like a full mid season, you can make bank, like serious bank. Like what serious bank? Like I would say coming out of a good Mediterranean season, you could like with your salary and everything, you could walk away with like 50 K. 50 K. That's amazing. Gosh. That's insane. Well, and I'm only giving you like an average, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, right. More or less, but I'm going to say like 50K for a couple of months, like back-to-back charters, like whatever you can, yeah, you can do well. So theoretically you could do two of those a year and then have like also like four to five months off a year as well. For sure. And I think that's like, that's like what's becoming very popular in the yachting industry is, um, you know, there's, there's very, um, I think it's like, it's really rare to get like a very solid, good crew um, especially because like an owner who owns a boat, they want to have the best crew in the industry if they're going to charter it because it makes people want to charter their boat more. So, um, a lot of, a lot of owners that, um, you know, have a solid good crew have started like implementing like a rotation where people will like work three months on and get one month off paid. Wow. Thank just God. so they can keep them to know that they're going to come back. Just so they can keep them. Like, and you know, and then like, that's where you get like a lot of longevity with crew. They'll like stay on for like three, four years, um, work their way from like junior stewardess to chief stewardess or junior like deckhand to captain. 
Um, so there, there's a lot of good incentives out there for, for your crew these days. This wow. is literally making me want to leave corporate America like tomorrow. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> but I will, I will say that like the, there are definitely like cons, like in terms of like pros and cons, like I would say the cons are like, you don't really have a very um, like sustainable, stable lifestyle. Like yeah. if you if you're going to be doing that so you have to really um kind of see what you want out of out of life and out of yachting because Mm -hmm. if you don't like get on a rotational boat you're like on the yacht like moving from country to country or like across like the atlantic um twice a year for the mid or the caribbean season and you don't get to see your family you don't necessarily you know have a solid friend group you you know if you're looking to settle down get married and have kids it's not always so viable right so right you definitely there are definitely pros and cons to it there's not yeah, like you maternity leave again. for like people in the yachting industry the too yeah <laughs> right yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's all about what you want that's yeah. why right now I've like taken the break to do my book and like pursue something that I'm passionate about um and then, like, at some point, if I want to get back on a boat, like, which I probably will, like, I'll, I'll go and do that. Okay, yeah, that was one of our listener questions was, like, will you return, like, to below deck if you can so, start? At the moment, I'm just taking a bit of a break. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously, to focus on my book. But, you know, if the opportunity came up, like, for sure. Like, absolutely love below deck, love the mm-hmm. whole thing going on um and that's why I think I think why I'm so like drawn to the show like a lot of like I was saying a lot of yachties will be like oh no if you go on that show it's not good for your career um it's kind of like because a lot of people think it's just so much drama and they don't necessarily want crew on their boat that just want to be on a reality show but the reason I like would definitely do it again is just the fact that I do I think it's so realistic to what it is and it I think it, in a way, it kind of gives the rest of the world an idea into this world that, you know, I didn't even know a lot about. And now, like, a lot of my friends and family can watch it and be like, oh, that's what you do. And you're like, yeah, now you can see my work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally. amazing to watch. And I am kind of dying to know, like, who who do you still hang with? Who are you still, like, good friends with from your seasons? So, like, obviously, Sandy, like, I, I got mm-hmm. her to write of my of my book so her and I are very close and like she's a massive inspiration to me um just because I think she's a great leader and then I still hang with Alex um Malia uh still keep in touch with Jess Rob um who else like I've spoken to Kiko I think everyone on the on the show that uh, Asia I still speak to every Mm -hmm. now and then um, you know, it's again, it's like the yachting world. Like you, you meet these people, they become your family for like however long you work with them. And then you always remain in touch, which is cool. Even if you don't see them for like a year or two, like you just pick up where you left off. Right. And it's like, you guys have been to war together a little bit. So it's right. like, well, we go through so much together. So much. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good metaphor for it, Chan, because I do feel like it's probably like, even if you saw that person in 20 years, you'd be like, oh my gosh, do you remember when they complained about the asparagus? Like, I just feel like it's like so much, so much, so many strong memories. Right. For sure. And then you like bump into guests, like art, like I know Alex saw a bunch of the charter guests at Atlantis and he phoned me up and he's like, you'll never guess who I was just with. And I'm like, oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Yeah. So it's really Alex fun. was the best. He was yeah. like, so great. He's awesome and he's so funny. (laughs) 
Someone wanted to know how, and for, I'm just going to assume this is like, basically you can't, but someone wants to know how you maintain a healthy lifestyle or fitness routine on board. <laughs> it's, how do you it's, your yoga classes still on board? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, to be honest with you, like sometimes when you docked, like I, if, if we're like at dock, which is, you know, you, you in a port for a certain amount of time. Um, like I, I'm a big runner, so I, I'll love, like I love running. And if I get the chance to do it, some yachts actually have gyms on board, um, where the owners let the crew use the gym, which is a big, oh, wow. um, because I also feel like, I feel like yachting is also in a way it's quite a, it's quite a superficial industry in the fact that the, you know, they like the crew to look good. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. They have like crew that are in shape looking good um there's also i get a lot of my fitness in with the steps that i run up and down to serve yeah, <laughs> so totally. i always call that like my charter fitness because i can run as much as i want and go to the gym and whatnot and then get back on a yard and be like oh my gosh i'm so out of charter shape because it's like a oh, different, interesting different fitness and like my knees kill me when i'm up and down those stairs so much right uh, because you are like I, I have a Garmin that tracks my steps and I'm doing like thousands of steps a day. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. Oh. Like what's, what's the number of steps on like a busy charter per day? I, I've done like 12,000. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's, especially given what tight quarters it, in, it, it is. That's really like back and forth. I don't even know if 12,000 is a lot to be honest, but like, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It's totally it's a lot. lot. Yeah. yeah. I can sometimes do 12,000 because it's in such a small confined space as well. But like, especially for like a service, like a lot of the boats I've worked on, we have these things called dumb waiters. Like they like those elevators that you can put. Oh yeah. You like pull like a pulley system. Right. Pretty much. So you can send like the food up to, to the top deck, but I'm such, I'm such a like intense chief stew with the, with the girls. I'm like, we are not using that. We're using (laughs) like 100%. We need to fit in these squats and we need to look good. So we're using the stairs. Okay. um, A few more questions. Someone wants to know, what does the chief engineer and first mate do all day? So I like, I know like below deck doesn't show them as much as like, they, they like um, perform very like vital roles on the boat. Like without without a chief engineer and a chief officer, you basically, the boat can't move. So, um, you know, I think a lot of, I think the reason they don't show the engineer as much is because a lot of the time they're doing behind the scenes work where they're like sitting down in the engine room, making sure the engines are running. Whenever the boat has to move, the captain gets the engineer to start up the engines and then they kind of maintain them, make sure everything's running smoothly. They also get called on when the lights are out, like if a bulb's out and have to come and do all the like nitty gritty interior work, which they get so irritated with, like for the chief stews, like, oh, the toilet's broken again. Can you come fix it? Um, so they literally have like a wide spectrum of like making sure this multi-million dollar yacht is working to like fixing a broken toilet. Like they oh, do everything. And then the chief so officer they, is like pretty oh, much kind of the captain. No, no, no. I was just going to say the chief officer, yeah, pretty much does like all the chart work of where the, where the boat's going to go. And like a lot of the time maintains like all the health and safety on board and does all the, you know, behind the scenes stuff with, with maritime law. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what what yoga classes with the crew. (laughs) (laughs) He leads yoga. It was just interesting because when uh, Captain Sandy let go of Hannah, like she had pulled the 
uh, first officer up who had like never seen before on the season to like right. witness the whole thing and make sure, you know, it was going right. Right, right. So like, yeah, the first officer will be like very heavily involved. Like they also get very involved in like drug tests on board. And because um, we have like a zero tolerance on, on the boat, like in terms of when we're working with guests and all of that, like there's zero tolerance for like drugs and alcohol. And like, which sounds a bit crazy because the crew all go out and drink, but that's technically yeah. like off the yard. The minute you bring it on the yard is where there's a problem. Yeah. Wait, but not alcohol, Wait. right? There's like, they drink on board. I mean, like technically, like I cannot be like on the job drinking. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Right. But like the, the guests are allowed to drink. Oh, yeah, yeah. The guests. Sorry. I'm just meaning predominantly the crew. Like we well, have like zero tolerance with that. Yeah. Do you also, really quick question, like, but I would be surprised if guests didn't try to bring on drugs on board for these oh, like I long days of partying. Like how do you guys navigate that? For sure. I mean, there, there are boats that like I've been on where like guests have had drugs on board. And again, like I've had captains that abide by the law, like completely where I've kind of had to go and tell them, look, this is, this is the situation. And they've like ended a charter and kicked the guests off because at the end of the day, again, it comes down to their license. Mm-hmm. So like you can stop by like the maritime like police like on the water um or the coast guard or whatever and they come on board the boat and they find like drugs and whatnot the boat will get like seized and then the captain can have their license taken away so that's like their entire career 100 that's why it's so, a serious thing <laughs> so when captain sandy is literally being filmed for a television show she's not gonna like let drugs go by and then have documentation of her, something that could like ru- like basically get her license taken away. Like that's, that's insane that people, I guess people just don't understand that. But I think also like, I, I know there was like this huge thing that came out about the Hannah's situation was because everyone was like, well, you know, like uh, Valium isn't a drug. It's like a prescribed medication for mental health, which yes, like 100% you're allowed to have prescribed medications on board. Like I'm talking more, you know, as long as it's reported and it's not gotcha. like, like popping pills in their cabins, like without anyone knowing, because it kind of, you know, can make you super disorientated when you're working, mm-hmm. um, put people at risk if there's a fire or an emergency and then they can't like 100% like act on, on the emergency. But it's more so like, um, people like I've had experience with people having cocaine on boats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's completely like illegal. Okay. So that's different. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, I just want to talk to you and hear about creating your book, the experience of creating it. It's called the art of tablescaping deck out your table with the queen of fame, which we have seen so much on below deck med. Your tables are truly stunning. Yes. Um, I would love to hear about this, like how you got the idea to create it and more about the book. Thank you. I mean, like, I, I love it because I'm like, I'm the self-proclaimed queen of theme, right? So people are like, oh, I love the way she calls herself queen of theme, but I love it. Um, and I think just, you know, my, my mom owns a boutique wedding venue. So I've kind of grown up around like my mom who's creative and whatnot. And ever since I realized that I could create these experiences on boats for guests, and a lot of people love to go all out like guests, they come on and request these wild and crazy themes. Um, I've kind of like just had such a passion for it. And, you know, they focus a lot on it and Below Deck made season five. I think more so than any of the previous seasons, they focused a lot on like the table decor and like 
um, just all the, you know, they always touch on it, but I think there was a lot of it on, on the season I was on and it like sparked a huge interest with a lot of the fans of the show. Um, people reaching out to me with questions and ideas and tips and tricks and all of that. And I had a lot of requests, like if I could put it into a book. Um, so I kind of was like, you know what, this is a fun passion project that I would love to kind of execute. And I went like balls to the walls with it and was like, I'm going to shoot this book and get it out there. I cannot fathom how you found the time to do all of this in the midst of how hard you work and how much you work. But I think it's so amazing because truly the tables look gorgeous. And I'm curious, like, is all that stuff just on board already? Like, do you have to bring like a suitcase full of of, like decor? Like, how does that work? So like so many people ask me, John, like I always like kind of um, relate, like uh, what's the word? Not relate. Like, um, like I always see myself as the Mary Poppins, right? (laughs) You just imagine like this person going around with this big bag of decor. But um, a lot of the time, obviously the the decor is on the yacht. So like I'll get a budget from from the owner or, or if charter guests are coming, they'll say, oh, we want to do this. Could you buy us a whole lot of costumes? And that will come like they'll pay for it. But, um, you know, I keep boxes, especially being like on a busy charter boat. I keep like labeled boxes with just lots of decor that can kind of be, I love to repurpose items. So anything that can kind of be used for um, like a Gatsby party could then also be like repurposed into like a glitzy Hollywood party. So I love to, because we don't have a lot of storage on the boat, it's literally like tiny and you have to mm. find all creative ways of like shoving decor into different cupboards or into like different boxes and all of that. So, you know, you do have a budget like every year if you work on a boat for a long time that you can kind of like add to the decor as you go. Um, and then I just like to have my like standard themes on board because charter guests are always requesting these different themes. So I have like my staple go-tos with candles and like fairy lights and all of that. And then I love to also just kind of fun, find like fun objects. If we're in the Bahamas, like get the deck crew to go out and like get me a whole lot of sand that I can incorporate or shells or even like mm-hmm. dry and sticks and foliage and like just use stuff that we've got around to make it really fun. What's your favorite theme that you've done or craziest or hardest or both? All of yeah, them. <laughs> all of it. I did like a really cool theme in Saint-Tropez. It was like in the middle of summer and I did this massive like blue and white theme and I, oh. I ordered two huge ice sculptures. They were like massive um, to like put like bottles of um, Dom Perignon in. So they like sat in the ice sculptures. And then I had this massive like curtain, which was made out of real orchids. And they, the orchids were like dyed like blue. So they were like blue and white orchid, like curtain all the way over the sun deck. So people had to walk through it. And then these ice sculptures, I actually had to, it was so, it was such a shambles because I didn't anticipate how big they were. And we literally could not get them on the boat. Like the deck crew were like, these things are so heavy. And I had to outsource a crane to like come into the tiny central pay port and crane these ice sculptures on. As they're like oh, melting. Oh my gosh. It was literally in the middle of sun, summer. So they were melting like by oh the Oh my gosh. The boy, like all the deck crew looking at me like, 
are you insane? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, getting these things on. And like, by the time they were on board, they were, like, so small and there was just water everywhere. So, like, oh, my God. Like, from, like, a frozen ice sculpture party into, like, a, a water a water soiree. <laughs> I mean, also, this is on top of all the other stuff you have to do. Like, the other interior task. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, you have to juggle. Like, you have to wear so many different hats like on board. And then another really fun one. I even, I even write about it in my book, but, um, I found this like really old propeller, like from a boat that had been like discarded. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that would actually make for a really fun centerpiece. And so like, I went and said to the boys, could you bring this propeller on? And I was like, it's pretty big. And they were like, are you, are you crazy? Like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, well, it's going to like, it's, it's a shock factor, right? So I always think it's so cool to bring something on like that with the boat. And then the guests are all like, what? Right. And so I put this, ma- I like cleaned it up and then put this massive propeller in the middle of the table and then like decorated around it. And everyone was like, whoa, this is crazy. But that was also definitely a big, a different like sort of thing that I'd done. So do you carry so the rad. propeller around with you from charter to charter? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I was like, I have to get this thing right off after. It's like it lived in my cabin. It was like my extra cabin. Oh! I was like, everyone, everyone who came into my cabin, I'm like, just be careful you don't cut your leg open on that thing. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is dedication. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so fun and truly like a, like a dream come true for us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. I've really, really loved it. You guys are great. You're incredible. Oh, thank we're, you. we're very lucky to have had you on. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Bugsy, tell everyone where to find you, what's happening with your book, when they can expect it, all the things. Okay, perfect. So you can um, follow me on Instagram, which is just Bugsy Drake. Very simple. Um, I'm on Twitter too, where I speak a lot about my book. Um, and then my book is pretty much out on any like online bookstore, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, on my own website, which is BugsyDrake.com. And it's officially out on May the 4th. Oh my gosh, like literally so, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Pretty much. May the 4th. Oh, thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. So exciting. <laughs> Just for listeners again, it's called The Art of Tablescaping. Deck out your table with the queen of theme. Bugsy, we're obsessed. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Truly, thank you. Thanks for having me, girls. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Pahapologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Katherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. 
You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group, and hosts of The Shrink Chicks Podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout. Making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psychobabble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how. And work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey, hey, it's Donna from Daily Dose of Donna. Every weekday afternoon on the Daily Dose of Donna podcast, I cover all of the reality TV and celeb gossip and breaking news. I'm a former TV casting director. My husband works in reality TV, and I live for the housewives, the sister wives, the southern charmers, and the summer housers. And let's be honest, all of the drama. I'll give you a day's worth of celebrity and reality news weekday afternoons in just under an hour. New episodes of Daily Dose of Donna post weekday afternoons and are now available in video on Spotify. Subscribe to Daily Dose of Donna. That's D-A-N-A on your podcast app.